Oh, thanks, Jenny. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Cooled off a little bit, didn't it? Just a tad. It's starting to feel like pumpkin spice weather. Which I know got a lot of pushback last year. But uh, I'm a believer. I'm looking forward to my uh, pumpkin spice pancakes from Trader Joe's. I'm an Aldi's guy, but I go to Trader Joe's for those. Yeah, and you know Aldi uh, it didn't pay me for that because they don't pay for anything, right? <laughs> so anyway, it's so good to see you. You know, I'm, I'm particularly excited about today's sermon um, because I think it's really important for us. In fact, uh, you may or may not have noticed, but I actually uh, worked with Melissa to um, bring in some, uh, to pay some childcare workers to be upstairs. So if there were any volunteers that wanted to be downstairs, I wanted everyone to have the chance to hear what I'm talking about today. Another reason you know this is an important sermon is because, and I haven't done this for a little bit, probably to my own detriment, but Becca helped me on this one. <laughs> yeah, you're like, all right, whew, this one might be okay. But if you don't know Becca, uh, we're connected, we're married. Uh, she is a co-founding pastor here of our church and was on staff for years, and she knows our church better than anyone, probably better than me. So I call in the big guns for this one. Uh, and the reason is, is because what I'm going to talk about today, uh, I think is so important to understanding where we are, who we are, and what's, where we're going, basically. Uh, this isn't the whole story of our vision, but what I'm going to talk about today highlights something that is particularly important, I think, for this day and age. It's not the whole of our church, but it's something that's significant and different and can make a real difference in the city, in our lives, and even more broadly. I really believe that. Right now, I think that we are living through a key cultural moment in the world, and particularly in our nation and our city, a moment that needs something like our church, where we can make a profound difference if we see what's before us and embrace it. The wider culture that we live in today is saturated, overrun, dominated by fear that pushes all of us towards division. Have you felt that? And it's not just America. I read an article this week that said 76% of people surveyed worldwide from China to the United States say that their home country is divided. In the United States, it was 84% of people. That's between 8 and 9 out of 10 people say that our country is divided. And not only that, 7 out of 10 people say we are more divided today than we were 10 years ago. And I don't think that surprises anyone in this room, does it? And I think the reason that people are so divided today is that people feel threatened. People feel like the country or society is not moving in a hopeful or positive direction. People feel that way and they've been told who to blame. And as a result, we're pulling back to places and groups that feel safer because the people around us there are the same. From the same ideological or racial or religious or political tribe. Uh, I read an article in The Guardian by Amy Chua. And she wrote this. She said, when groups feel threatened, they retreat to tribalism. 
When groups feel mistreated and disrespected, they close ranks and become more insular, more defensive, more punitive, more us versus them. In America today, every group feels this way to some extent. Whites and blacks, Latinos and Asians, men and women, Christians, Jews and Muslims, straight people and gay people, liberals and conservatives, all feel their groups are being attacked, bullied, persecuted, discriminated against. So as a society, we're siloed. That means we're in separate camps. We're away from people who are different from us. But instead of feeling safe, or better? Do you think we feel safe or better in our country right now? How do we feel? We're not happy. And as I talk to people about how they feel about the world today, it's generally miserable. Like safe environments that solidify around fear and anger aren't fun places to be. There's a certain anxiety that hangs in the air. It's draining. It's even toxic. And since the last election, it seems like this has taken over the everyday air that we breathe, has it not? It's weighing people down. And we need places, I think, where the air is different. Where the air that we breathe, the environment that we swim in, fills our souls with life and encouragement and hope. You feel the same? And this, I think, is where our church can make the difference. You know, there's a picture of God's people in the book of Revelation. Maybe some of you have heard it. Uh, but it's always been really important to us here at Mosaic. It comes from chapter 7, and it's a picture of heaven literally coming to earth, descending onto planet earth. It descends and it lands. It's a beautiful picture. And when it does, the author John lets us have a little peek inside of what heaven on earth looks like. And what we see are multitudes and multitudes of people gathered around Jesus worshiping him. But the reasons you know it's multiple and multitudes and multitudes of different people from all over the world and different backgrounds is because they all look different. They have kept whatever it was that made them distinct during their time on earth, in the old order, before heaven came to earth, wherever they were from, whatever was important to them culturally as who they are, you can still distinguish them because they're different. They keep that. In heaven, you keep where you're from. You keep what is good about your culture. It goes with you. You can still be told apart from people who came from different places in the world. You know, here at Mosaic, we've decided to aim for that now. We're not perfect. We miss the mark a lot, but we have strategically and specifically decided to make what is essential to us, what is non-negotiable to us, a very small short list so that we can make room for people from all different backgrounds to come together around Jesus. You know, some of you, I've mentioned this book before, but I'll mention it 
Not, it's not where we got our name. That's total coincidence. But there's this book called Mosaic of Christian Belief. It's by Roger Olson. Some of you have heard this. In that book, he sort of breaks down Christian belief into three categories. And the one in the middle of the circle, he calls dogma. And what he means is these are the essentials. If you lose one of these, all of a sudden you lose, you know, historical Christianity. You lose Jesus. It's basically what he's saying. And that list is really small. It's just like a few things. He draws a circle on that, and then he draws a bigger circle, which he calls doctrine. He says, these are important things, the way people interpret the Bible. It's how they choose to live. Because on these things, people can come from all different backgrounds. They might not agree on everything. But his point is it shouldn't be something that keeps people from loving each other or being considering each other in or in the same community. And then he has this bigger circle called opinion. And, you know, that's how you dress. I'm wearing jeans today, my nice jeans. But I'm wearing jeans today. You know, some churches you'd want to dress up, you know. Some churches have more gospel music. Some churches have uh, pipe organs. You know, it's, it's, it's helpful, but it's opinion. It's, it, it, no one's going to say this is a make or break type of thing, or very few people. And I remember being in my seminary class, and we were reading this book and talking about it, and everybody loved it. You know, people for, were from different Christian traditions in my seminary. It wasn't like a monolithic, one culture, one denomination type of space. And I think it was almost like people wanted to put their arms around each other and sing a worship song or something. But I realized as we talked more, they were thinking, this is awesome. This means, you know, I, a few times a year I can get together with that church down the block and we can work on a project together. We can feed the hungry and, 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 and do all kinds of great things in the community. And that is great. But when I heard this, I thought, that means we can be in the same community together, even though we don't agree on every single thing. If our essentials, Jesus, is what pulls us together, we can come from all sorts of backgrounds, have a space where people can agree to disagree, come from different backgrounds, and learn to know and love each other as we worship Jesus. So it's not like a once a year, twice a year thing. It's an everyday experience where different people are pulled together because of the overwhelming glory of Jesus Christ in the same community. Now, why is that a difference maker? Because that's one of the things I'm arguing today is that this is who we can be and this can make a difference in this day and age. Why is that a difference maker? Because when that happens, when diverse people, proud of who they are, come together around Jesus, something powerful, refreshing, life-giving, hopeful happens. Heaven touches earth. The atmosphere changes. The air is cleansed. You can breathe free. You need that. I need that. We need that today more than we have ever needed it. Philadelphia needs that. You see, when this happens, because it's so different from everything else that's happening in our culture right now, we become what Jesus calls a light on the hill. A light in a dark place. A beacon of hope. Life can be different. You can breathe a different air. Philadelphia can breathe a different air. But 
the dominant culture of today screams, you can't do that. Why? Because if you do that, if you associate with and love people who don't come from the same background or haven't come around to your way of thinking yet, you're selling out. In theological circles, they have a word for this. It's called syncretism. Anybody ever heard that awesome word? That's <laughs> okay. I had, to, I had to pay thousands of dollars to learn that word. <laughs> you don't really need it. But um, syncretism is the theological way of describing selling out. What it means is um, uh, giving up the will of God and what he or what God really wants in order to fit in with culture. So it's easier. Acquiesce instead of stand up for uh, what you believe, right? That's what syncretism means. You know, in 2014, we were accused of this by some. You know, our church chose full inclusion of LGBT, LGBTQ folks over the restrictive statements of our previous church affiliation. Some called us unfaithful. There was only one way to read the Bible, and if we allowed for any other perspectives, we were on a slippery slope. We could expect to first lose the Bible, then lose Jesus himself, and any sense of real faith or connection to a real God. But what I found is that the opposite is actually true. As we've decided to hold to our vision to create space for different kinds of people to be an inclusive church, we're seeing people hold on to Jesus. Honestly, I have lost track of how many conversations I've had just in the past few months where people tell me how they've remained in faith while their friends haven't. I'm going to share some details. I've had so many conversations. Please, if this is part of your story, I'm not referring to you. They all start to mix together. And I've had a lot of conversations that go something like this. Brad, I went home over the summer, and I got together with my old friends. We were in church together. We were in a youth group, passionate about Jesus, trying to change the world. Or Brad, I, I went back uh, to see my old college friends, and we got together, and we hung out. We used to be in a campus fellowship, and we were passionate about Jesus. And, or, or I went, and I was reconnected with some friends. We were on a missions team, and we went around the world together. Uh, trying to love people in the name of Jesus. And again and again, people are telling me, basically, and I'm the only one left. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm the only one who still believes in Jesus. Or I'm the only one that still goes to church. And don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that we've got it all figured out or our church is perfect. But somehow we've gotten close enough to this to create a space where people can come and belong and think through some of these things and question some of the assumptions that have been placed upon them. Who can belong and who can't? What I have to believe, what I don't. And as a result, I think we see people hold on to their faith when their friends who come from similar backgrounds haven't been able to find a place like that. And it builds up until it pops. Unfortunately, right now, communities like ours, as imperfect as we are, are few and far between. 
People are actually letting go of Jesus because they have nowhere to work through their faith. And not just a couple people. Think about your life. Maybe even think about you before you walked in the door here. You might have had one step out the door of faith too. But you felt something. You understood somehow. I can figure it out here. There's space for me. And part of it was I don't have to reject certain people. I can include them. That's kind of special right now. I talked. I know a lot of Christians. <laughs> and if you're not a Christian here, I'm sorry. It's, I hope this isn't too insider. I have a lot of conversations. I know so many. I, you know, I've been doing it as a profession for a long time. It's a lot of my friends too. Some of my best friends were in spaces where they had no space to figure this out. And they either don't know what they think about Jesus or they've just turned the back. People I've been best man in their wedding. You know, when you start excluding people, you know who you end up excluding? Jesus. Because Jesus is always with the people who don't belong. What really is syncretism for a church today? What is the greatest cultural pressure that churches could cave to today? What is culture pushing us to more than anything else right now? Division. More than any hot-button issue, the pressure to divide and demonize those who don't agree with you is the, in my opinion, the dominant ungodly pressure in our culture today. If we want to be different, if we don't want to be syncretistic, if we want to stand up to the things that are ungodly in our culture, what would stand up more to the wider culture today? What would say there's a better way, a different reality, more than a diverse, inclusive community centered on Jesus? And if our church was the only place in Philly where all these crazy different people were together and loving each other, people want an explanation for that. All we got is Jesus. And all of a sudden, we point to a different reality. Jesus is alive. He makes a difference. It's not just an idea or a theology. It's an experience, a reality. Vibrant, active, changing, making a difference in our lives. Pulling us close to people that we wouldn't know otherwise. The fact that you are here in this very imperfect church, around all sorts of different people, in spite of all the pressure pushing against you, you being here is proof that Jesus is alive. And it's not just culture that's pushing against us in this. You know, as a community of faith, we believe that there's more going on in the world than just what we can see. There are spiritual realities at play. In Scripture, we see it described this way. In Ephesians, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, 
and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That, this, is how our struggle is described. Our pushback against the toxic atmosphere that's all around us. It has a deep and overwhelming spiritual dimension. The Bible describes our enemies not as people, but rather as dark forces of spirituality called powers and principalities. You know, if you're not familiar with this type of language, you can just think of it as like dark energy in the universe, however you want to conceptualize. The idea is that there are spiritual forces that don't want to see people connecting to Jesus. So if a dynamic, inclusive community points to a living Jesus... They're going to push against it. You know what they want you to do? It's simple. Judge the people around you. Point a finger. Write someone off. You know what, what Jesus did? And this isn't the whole story of the cross, but there's a, a significant part of it. He said, I'll take that judgment for you. In other places, it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'll take all that judgment for you, and I'll offer you grace. Now, share that grace with each other. Our key verse for today is this. It's the only one printed in your bulletin. John 13, by this... Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Love one another. Sounds good. And maybe sometimes it sounds a little too simplistic, but it's not. It isn't soft. This is practical. This is hard. You know, earlier I mentioned that a couple years ago our, our, took, our church took a stand for inclusion. And it was a challenging process for the church. But I don't know how many people know the personal loss that Becca and I felt. I can only speak for myself, but I know after 23 years as part of an association, that's a long time. So many of my friends, all of my mentors were in that group. And when we left, with some notable exceptions, I lost those relationships. The one that hurt me the most was a gentleman who had been my mentor. Besides probably my father, the most significant, my father and my mother, most significant person in terms of authority in my life. Mentorship. It was someone I thought loved me, and had my back unconditionally. He no longer talks to me. He comes to town. He doesn't look me up. He unliked me from Facebook. That's the one that stung the most. Isn't that weird? That made it real. Oh, wait. Oh. Oh, he unliked me. It's like, oh, he really doesn't want to know what's going on in my life. It hurts. It still hurts. You know what? I want to lump all of those folks into one camp. I want to label them something. 
judgmental, regressive, hypocritical, something. I want to write them off. And if I feel that way about them, I, I can only imagine how people who have to deal or have had to deal with a lifetime of systematic oppression, violence, or marginalization must feel about their situations or your situation. It'd be much easier to adopt an us versus them mentality to certain groups. But we can't have that here. We need extra grace for everyone here. Everything in culture, in the dark spiritual world that is pushing us to point fingers, we cannot have that here. If we're going to be a light on a hill, if we're going to show people that Jesus is alive, we have to be a community of grace. People, all of us, myself included, have to be able to make mistakes to try and figure it out and get it wrong. To not understand everything and still be loved, accepted, and in. That's the only way for us to grow together. And this is actually how how transformation happens. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. You know, we think that we can sort of shout things at people and it will change them. But it won't. People don't change because they're judged. They just hunker down and throw it right back at you. People change because they're loved, right? How have you changed in your life? Is someone condemning you? Someone believing in you, giving you a chance, coming alongside you? The whole world is judging each other right now. No one's changing. There's a scripture passage that says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. That's the part I never paid attention to for years. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Sounds innocuous, simple, no big deal. Do what's right in the eyes of everyone. Everyone? That means I have to understand where another person is coming from. What's right in their eyes? I have to know them. I have to understand them. I have to be in relationship with them to understand them. It's relationships that change people. It's relationships that change me. That's where transformation happens. You see, a Jesus-centered, inclusive community isn't just about experiencing a different atmosphere. Part of heaven touching earth entails transforming the earth and transforming us. You know, a few months ago, I I came downstairs to start the service, and uh, out of the corner of my eye, I saw two familiar faces. Bob and Marilyn. That's their real names. And they're pastors from our old association. They were in our congregation. It it was their vacation, and they could go anywhere to church. And they decided to come here. 
And their presence helped me that morning. You know, in my hurt, I wanted to forget everyone from that association. Their presence, however, said that they hadn't forgotten me. It was an act of love. And heaven touched earth for me in that moment. I got a deep breath of fresh, clean, spiritual air. And my heart changed. But here's the thing. Heaven can touch earth here every single week. And during the week, anytime we gather around Jesus in our difference, and we can choose this. So the question, the reason I want everyone in here is do we want this? Are we willing to fight for this different life-giving city changing type of community. Everything is stacked against us. Are we willing to push back? Fight for this. Because it's not going to be easy. If it was easy, it would be happening everywhere. And it's happening practically nowhere. We don't even have a lot of models to look to. It means we have to take a look at ourselves, too. Where have I, where have you been sucked into, sucked in by the wider culture? Where has it affected the way you think about other people? Where do I judge? What needs to change in me? Are we, are we in for this commitment? A fight to worship Jesus together. Even when our friends are blowing it, they don't get it. Even when we blow it, we want to run away someplace that's safer or feels safer. To fight against a culture and forces that would have us divide and show the world that Jesus is alive as we welcome everyone in. Everything is stacked against us, but we have a not-so-secret weapon. We have a pretty amazing, overpowering ally who offers us beyond what our minds and hearts could imagine. We have a real Jesus that we actually believe in can make the difference. And I believe, and I'm hoping that you believe that he wants this. And he wants this bad. And he wants this for us. So, let's pray to Jesus. If you're the band, I'd like you to come up. We're going to do something a little different today. Something I don't normally like to do. Because I don't have control anymore. We're going to pray, and we're going to have an open mic. Come on up, Ben. Up all on the stage. <laughs> Where the musical instruments are. 
we're going to, some of you right now, you know you already got something to pray. And when the band starts playing, you can come on right up to this bad boy right here and pray it. Some of you, you need to process just a little bit. So in your bulletin, you'll find a blank insert. You can use that to write down what you're thinking, what you're praying. And we're going to take some time, and the band is going to vamp. We're going to play some music. And if you know right now some things to pray, you come, come on up. We'll have grace for you. Your prayers don't have to be perfect. One thing I would ask, try and keep it short. But don't be afraid to be too long. And as you're ready, come on up and pray. This is a safe place. No one's going to judge you for what you pray. Um, but we need Jesus. And if we're in, I know he's in. He was already in. And so let's ask him to empower us, to help us. Help us not judge each other. Help us make space for people. Give us grace to make a difference. Let us be a light that shines. Let this be a place where we can breathe a different kind of air. Give me just a moment to strap on a guitar and the mic. So take a moment. Let's just sit in silence.